This is Sports Radio 100.9, The Myth. You've waited patiently all day. All wait. They were patient. They didn't get rushed. But Great Lakes Bay region, we finally arrived at the payoff from high school. Wizzlick inside with a two-hand flush. To college. Just wait until March, bro. To the pros. 75 yards by Monty Williams. Uh, I always do that. We cover everything a Michigan sports fan could want. This is uncharted territory. And now, here they are. It's the payoff. The video version of the payoff just saw me giving John the middle finger for throwing me under the bus and driving backwards over me with the little intro there, John. Second day in a row. Well, we're going to talk about one we of those two guys. One Which one? Who knows? But Well, one of them brings me a lot of joy. The other one makes me want to pull my hair out. Uh, <laughs> John, I wanted to start with Michigan State hoops today because... We talked about them a lot yesterday. I thought Tom Izzard was holding them back, and then they go on the road, have one of their better, I don't want to say better wins of the season, but an impressive win, and I think it's time to change the expectations for Michigan State and recalculate. Maybe they're not one of those top seeds like we thought they might be at the beginning of the season, but they're still a team that's capable of winning a couple games in March Madness, maybe. I want to talk about what the new goal of this team is. I wanted that to be the lead. But then a Detroit athlete had to go to jail yesterday. Isaiah Stewart, Detroit Pistons forward slash center. Slash fighter. Slash, yeah, UFC caged animal. Got in a fight before the game, before they even got in the building. In the parking lot, punches Drew Eubanks in the face. Phoenix police have to get involved. Keep in mind, Isaiah Stewart hasn't played in weeks. And this dude ends up in jail last night. You've got to be kidding me, man. This Pistons team is even more of a mess than I could have possibly imagined. I finally feel like they're starting to turn the corner and Monty decides to not only turn the corner, but the bus does a 360 flip, spirals out of control, falls off a cliff, breaks into 100 pieces, and blows up. What is happening? Isaiah Stewart doesn't even make it inside the building because, you know, he goes to Phoenix jail. Uh, Pistons end up getting routed by the Suns, 116 to 100. There was a bunch of texts yesterday just in general. Devin Booker got thrown out of the game right away. Uh, Frank Vogel got a tech. It's gotten to the point where these these two teams kind of have beef. I, I didn't know it was possible to have beef with a Pistons team that is incapable of winning basketball games. Uh Beef Stew got attacked back in preseason against the Suns when they met. Just can't control himself uh, doing his best Draymond Green impression. There was four techs in the game when they played each other in November in LCA. And now the Pistons are closing up their West Coast trip. One more game to go until the All-Star break. You get a week off. And Isaiah Stewart can't even get in the building. Johnny got in a fight in the parking lot. Like, what are, what are we talking about? Old school, man. Uh, I guess. <laughs> now, the old school Pistons would settle this on the court as they're up by 20 because they've infuriated a team so much. This Pistons team is getting into fights before they even walk in the building, and then they get routed, get punted, get lapped by this Phoenix Sun team without Bradley Beal, without uh, Devin Booker because he gets tossed, and it just doesn't matter. 
I mean, I, I just can't do it anymore, John. I didn't want to talk about this the, the team, Pistons, man. but here I know. But you know what changed? Monty Williams got more players. Every game in the first quarter and in the fourth quarter, he decides to play an all bench lineup. It's suicide. It's actively destruct, uh, destructing this team. It's destructive. It's tormenting a lead. You have a lead, watch it disappear in the next seven seconds. He's like a magician. With three minutes, three minutes left in the first quarter, you've got Sasser, Milton, Brown, Fournier, and Wiseman out on the floor. Half our audience doesn't even know who those guys are. Oh, don't not disrespect Evan Fournier like that. John, he's a bum. He shouldn't be playing. When the Pistons traded for him, I looked you in the eye and said, there's no way that guy sees playing time. Yet, here we are, five <laughs> minutes into the game, he's checking in. Yeah. It's his revenge tour, man. The Knicks let him go and wouldn't play him. But that's because they're a playoff team and a real NBA team. Here's the saddest part about the Pistons thing. They played their best three games of the season, and I promise we'll get off this because I'm well aware no one in this town cares about the Pistons. They played their best three games of the season last week against um, the Kings, the Blazers, and the Clippers. They went 2-1 and one in that stretch. And I'm convinced the reason they went 2-1 and one in that stretch is because they didn't have a ton of active players because everyone had either gotten traded, was dealing with an injury, or the players they had acquired at the trade deadline weren't ready to play yet. Because of that, it forced Monty Williams to actually play the good players on this team for a significant period of time, and you actually got lineups with Cade, Ivy, Sasser, Asar, Duran, you know, the guys you drafted, the future of this team. I see that, and I'm all excited. Boyan and Burks are gone. The core can finally play together and develop alongside of each other. Well, Breaking news, the Pistons got a bunch of players at the deadline who are now playing over those type of players. It's so destructive to the organization, to the players' development, he's actively making them worse. And I don't say as a joke, I think me or you could be better coaches, because we couldn't. But any assistant coach in the league with half a brain could figure out better rotations than Monty Williams. Why are you playing 13 guys? No other coach in the league is doing that. You play 10 max. Yeah, he can't figure out any of these lineups whatsoever. First quarter, end of the first quarter, every single game. Tune in and you will see five guys that were on the bench to start the game all playing alongside of each other on the court. And just like that, the other team will go on a 10-0 run. He does it at the beginning of the fourth quarter too. Just when the Pistons are clawing their way back into it, he's like, yeah, kiss it goodbye. So much for this game. Every time. It's mind-boggling. I don't understand why he is still a head coach of this team. He has quickly escalated up the list of, please leave my city immediately yesterday. I mean, they brought the, they brought the wrong guy to jail. He has committed crimes against the city of Detroit. Oh. I can't do it anymore, John. I think he passed Javi Bias. Dude, you were talking. It doesn't matter. Your boy Troy Weaver, the wizard Weaver, 
Uh, made some great moves at the deadline. There's only so much Weaver can do. They'll bring in the head coach. I mean, you know, it's not like you signed. It's not Monty's, up to Weaver. It's not like it's not like you signed Monty to a multi-year deal or anything. <laughs> oh no, he's only the highest-paid head coach in NBA history. I'm not even <laughs> sure he should be a head coach. He clearly doesn't want to be. Oh. And to make matters even better, we find John. What did I always tell you when we talked about the owner of this team, Tom Gores? We're not sure if he's real, right? Oh, we found out he's real. Chatting things up with Jeannie Buss on courtside in his L.A. home. Had to make it to both the Clippers and the Lakers game. Went to the Phoenix game, too. Oh, he's real. He got to see just how much of a moron Monty Williams really is. Is he going to do anything about it? Probably not. (laughs) This is the worst-run organization in sports. It really is. Um... And that's all I have to You have players going to jail. And a piston went to jail last night for fighting someone and else. And that's Monty's fault? I, I'm not blaming that on Monty Williams. That's, a, that's an Isaiah Stort problem. I He's mean, I, I, I think I told either you or Brad off the air, I, I, I pray he gets traded at the deadline because I think they play better without him. And I bet you Monty Williams just can't wait to start rotating him, him in the lineup as well. And all of a sudden you're playing 14 guys a night. Um... Stu's on pretty good all-time tech pace. He's played 224 career games, has 23 techs now in his... Well, he didn't actually get a tech yesterday because he never made it inside the arena. But he does have 23 techs on his career. That's a tech every nine games. That's some Draymond Green-type numbers, John. Local hero, Draymond Green. Saginaw High, baby. Speaking of Saginaw High. Yeah. What's going on tomorrow? We're, we, you're going to be there. You're I'm going to be, there, be too. there. Brad's going to be there. We're all going to Dow Event Center for the big game. Pre-game big. coverage starting at 6 with the payoff. And then game time 7, Arthur Hill for Saginaw High one last time. I'm excited. This is a sellout crowd. It's sold out. I'm excited. And we're going to do a lot of this, of course, tomorrow. Sold out tickets. Sold out in 20 minutes. Uh, I've never seen an that's Arthur concert. Hill Saginaw that's like, game. That's Taylor Swift's type stuff, man. <laughs> All right, selling out in 20 minutes like that. That's that's pretty cool. Is Draymond going to be there? They're on the All-Star break. I didn't even think about that. I kind of just said it as a joke, but then as I'm saying it, yeah. that's not cr- crazy, right? Ben, you're gonna, your goal tomorrow is going to have to be to get him on I the air. I know. He's not... Uh, I don't think he's participating. No, there's no way he's participating in anything in All-Star weekend. You sure? Yeah. He's you would know more than I would. No, he's 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 not going to be there unless he's just going there. They're to not like, having a tech. There's not a skills uh, skills competition for technical fouls. Yeah, not one that he's in. Actually, at the All Star break, they add an event. Beef Stew, Isaiah Stewart, and Draymond are going to throw hands wow. half court like I would a cage watch, fight. Wow. Um, I'd watch that over you know G leaguers in the dunk contest. Now here's the question: Would Dr- <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Would Draymond Green? They need to put a Sar Thompson in the dunk contest. Would Draymond Green rather be at Arthur Hill? Saginaw one last time or just go watch LeBron play in the All-Star game? Now, that's a good question. Why does he have to go? It's not LeBron's final All-Star game. But he but he loves LeBron James, like more than Brad loves LeBron James. We say the number one last time because I interrupted you, but before you do, where, where is the All-Star game? I don't know. Indianapolis, know. I believe. Oh, not bad. Basketball city. Um, okay. We'll move on from the Pistons. Uh, I want to talk a little bit Michigan State coming up because 
They play last night. They get a nice road win. Xavier Booker comes in, makes some noise. Like you said, Izzo is listening. And then he doesn't play again. What are now the expectations for Michigan State in March? I think we do have to recalculate a bit, little bit. The same way, the same way we kind of moved the goalpost for the Lions um, further back throughout the course of the season, it was, okay, we want to win the division. We want to win a playoff game now. Now we want to win two playoff games. Well, only this time, Michigan State's goalpost is moving closer to you. At first, it was, we're a top four team coming in. We want to go to the final four. We want to win this thing. Well, now I feel like you're going to be lucky to make it out of the Sweet 16. So what are the expectations for Michigan State basketball? That's coming up here on the payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. More of the Great Lakes Bay region's only local sports show. Back to the payoff. 989-837-6125. Now that we've covered the whole Isaiah Stort went to jail last night, uh, we can move on. Michigan State basketball gets a win on the road, a big win for Michigan State, I suppose. Um, one thing I didn't know about Michigan State until I looked earlier today, really tough strength of schedule, which goes into favor for them when it comes to you know the seeding and everything. As of right now, as it stands, Michigan State is a nine seed, according to Fox Sports' Mike uh, McCorsey, uh, DeCorsey, DeCorsey. Yes. Thank you. Um, that was from Tuesday before Penn state's win. Um, but what I didn't know was Michigan state's 11th in strength, of schedule, they've had the 11th hardest strength of schedule in all of college basketball, which I guess goes into their favor a little bit, gives them a little bit more leeway. Cause all these, it feels like all these big 10 teams are on the upper side of things, but none of them are, are, Outside of Purdue, way up there in the rankings, John. Um, do you know who's second, by the way? Strength of schedule. In the country. In the country. You told me, so it's Michigan. But don't give it away uh, like that. That's not fun in radio. You asked me and I answered. It is Michigan. You uh, shouldn't have told me before the show you know that, buddy what? boy. Do you think Jawan Howard shows this to Ward Manuel? He's like, this is actually why we were losing. And it. it's absolutely nothing to do with me. And my response would be, okay, even with that, you're... 114 <laughs> in the net rankings, which takes into account strength of schedule. Um, Michigan State 15th in the Ken Palm rankings. I want to know from everyone out there listening, and I'll throw out the text line again, what is the expectation for Michigan State? Because can can we all agree on one thing? Maybe you can maybe you'll push back on this, John. Michigan State's no longer a blue blood, correct? There's few blue bloods left in college basketball. You Ever can, since COVID, it feels yeah. like the, the entire dynamic has shifted. And I don't think Michigan State's part of that elite group. Well, would you classify Michigan as that? Michigan is three wins in the Big Ten. No, I would not okay. classify them as a blue blood. Because some, you know, there's ebbs and flows to it. Like, it's really tough, especially in this modern day age of college basketball, to stay consistently in the top ten. Especially when, like, programs will have insane years and then come back down to earth like Kansas, Gonzaga. Like not, Gonzaga uh, Blue Blood. Now UConn a good example. Y- UConn's a great example. UConn had to go to the American Conference when the Big East uh, restructured and now they're back in and now they're back to being Connecticut basketball where yeah, I think, I, I just don't think they are the best team in the country in terms of the rankings. So I wouldn't call them that but they could easily be on the upswing again. They're in that second tier to me. Like the first tier are the Dukes, mm-hmm. the Kentuckys, the North Carolinas, where they're just always in the mix. Kansas. And you could even argue, like, and Kansas, you could even argue Kentucky sort of falling off a bit too, but it's hard to have sustained success. But I put Duke and North Carolina up there because they've had, both teams have had legendary coaches 
leave and then still stay where they are. Because an example like Villanova that was sort of getting close to that, they have Jay Wright leave, mm-hmm. and it sort of all falls apart on them. Yeah, nothing's been the same since then. And, and I guess one thing that Michigan State can sort of lean on and use as a positive is, well, we do have the experienced coach. We do have yes. a bunch of players who have been to March Madness before, and I want to know what people's expectations for March Madness are because there was one point in the season where we were talking about, is this team even going to make March Madness? But it feels like the last five seasons, this is exactly what this team does. They have these big expectations. They're disappointing at the beginning of the year. And then they start to figure things out. But my whole point of this all, and what my point of the last couple of years has been, is because you are so disappointing at the beginning of the season, you stroll into March Madness as right now a projected nine seed. That makes it 10 times harder to make a run. You don't get to, it's so much harder to go on these long runs when you have to play, I don't know, Kansas at the beginning of the, uh, in the second round, in the opening weekend, when you got to take on UConn early, or, oh, I know a team Michigan State already beat, but now you have to play Baylor again, beat them twice. If Michigan State were to have a good beginning of the season, like it feels like they have failed to do the last few years. Well, then maybe we're talking about them a lot differently right now because there is no doubt they're at least playing better basketball right now. And one thing I think I want to give a ton of credit for, if I'm being honest, is you become way less Ken, um, Tyson Walker dependent. I mean, just last night, Malik Hall goes twenty goes for 29 on the road, 10 for 13 from the field against Penn State. That's some great stuff, John. The game before, A.J. Hogard. Uh, the game before uh, had 23 points, hit 12 from 13 from the free throw line. Game before that, Tyson Walker's your leading scorer, and you lose. Game prior to that, Tyson Walker, Malik Hall both lead with 19 points. Prior to that, uh, Jay Nakins, 23, seven threes against Michigan led them. Hogard, 19 threes in a loss against Wisconsin. The last time Tyson Walker led them in scoring and they outright won, was against Maryland on January 21st. So they have, and that was kind of my knock on them at the beginning of the season. Well, they have figured that out. Other players are starting to show development. They're starting five. Yes. Any guy could go off, which was the expectation from the beginning, and now in February is coming to the forefront. But circling back to what we said yesterday. Not all five. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Xavier Booker didn't start yesterday. He actually comes in with five minutes left in the first quarter and instantaneously hits a three. Comes back down the floor, very next possession, layup. Five points, five minutes, doesn't see the floor in the second half. Two for two. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. They got him. How has he not been playing the entire season? Because you had to get Malik Hall a bunch of minutes and develop him? Newsflash, they play different positions. So why is he not playing? I don't understand. Um, Michigan State is 4-7 and seven now versus quad one teams. Um, James Madison actually bumped back to quad two, so that, yes. that kind of looks better for them, I guess. And Penn or State, worse. with that loss, they're 98 now in the net rankings, could easily drop to, to quad three. But I think, Ben, just to clarify, by the way, because I believe James Madison was always a quad two, Oh, were they? They, they made it in the top 25 at one point. It's where they are at that point in the season, I believe. 
Who, James Madison or Michigan State? Just when you're evaluating the quads. Like if Michigan State beat James Madison early in the season, James, that was a quad two loss for Michigan State. Oh, because it was I at see what home you mean. versus a team that was whatever in the net rankings at that time. All right. Now, some could say unfair if James Madison is playing as well as they have, where they may may be a quad one team right now. Right. They're still quad two team, fifty fourth. But you get my point. That's a dumb way to to rank them. Like that's that. how they do quad, and that's not that's just something that the NCAA takes into effect with the selection process. But some people, some basketball truthers, will say. The net ranking should just be what it is. And Michigan State's 22 in that, by the way. But they're not in the top 25 in the country. But others would say... Well, they don't no. have enough wins to be in the top 25. No, but they're 22 in the net ranking. And that's sometimes what people think, you know, flaws of the net ranking. Right. Because would you take... Okay, you say not enough wins. They're 16-9. and nine. Do you take a 16-9 and nine Michigan State over a 20-win team in the Mountain West? I think it depends who you ask. Yeah. It depends so, who you ask. So what, but, what we're finding out is they have the the analytics to be considered one of the better teams in the country. Not, yeah. not a top five, not a top ten, yeah. but a team that most certainly should be in the tournament. They have the credentials to back that up. They have the coach behind uh, all of that to back it up. But then again, at the exact same time, you say all of it, all of this to give them some credit for getting themselves back into this conversation – you were supposed to be a one seed this year. In the preseason, we were talking about this being your best team in a decade plus if you're Tom Izzo. So I just don't understand. Well, I guess I, I want to understand from a Michigan State's fan uh, fan's perspective, what's now the goal for this season? It, it, does it remain the same? You have to go win uh, your entire region and make it to the Final Four? Or are you going to be happy with a Sweet 16 appearance at this point? Because if you ask me, it's like, I guess we can celebrate that we had a good February and won a couple games in the Big Ten tournament, maybe. Just wait but, until March, bro. But if we make it to the Sweet 16 and then get knocked out by the first real good team we play, it's like, okay, how's this different than last year? It's not. So I guess I, I'll throw the number out. 989-837-6125. Where is the expectation for Michigan State now? Because in my eyes, John, I mean, you run into a Purdue early on, or even, say, in the Big Ten tournament. They play in the regular season here in a couple of weeks coming up. And I know Purdue doesn't necessarily have, maybe that's a bad example because they don't have the pedigree in the postseason that you'd like from one of the top teams in the country uh, in the past. But I keep looking at these centers that Michigan State throws out there. Carson Cooper, Matty Sissoko. Zach Eady's going to have a field day on these guys. Any real center would. So I fear that as soon as they run into a team that has played good all season, um, uh, that has some real threats out there that can strike from three, it's over for Michigan State. Is that an irrational fear for me? Not, not a necessarily a fear, but am I right to think that way? That, you know, they're lucky to make it past the Sweet 16? I don't think so. Just the way they're playing basketball right now, and again, you hope, and they usually do, and that's why you get to the tractor saying just wait until March, get hot at the right time under Tom Izzo, but they don't have a signature win to me, in, in my opinion. Mm. And people will come back at me and say, oh, uh, you know, beating Baylor in, in a neutral site, pretty much wiping them off the floor. 
great win, not a neutral site. I know it was. I know it wasn't on campus, but Detroit-Michigan is not a neutral site game between Baylor and Michigan State. I'm sorry. It's not the Champions Classic. Well, Michigan State opinion. fans would argue once March Madness rolls around, once, once the Big Ten tournament rolls around, all the games are neutral site. They are. Right. That's my point. But I'm just saying the Baylor game, to me, wasn't. It's classified as such. Okay, I In the book of the law, saying. I'm just saying a game in Detroit-Michigan for me is not when Baylor's traveling from Texas. So is it okay that we move the field goal post a little closer? Or is no matter what happens this season, unless you go on this crazy run, is it going to be considered disappointing? Because to me it is. I mean, you, you started the season, preseason, number four team in the country. If you don't make the Final Four, this has been a disappointing season if you're Tom Izzo, who, by the way, isn't getting paid $6.2 million to make the Sweet 16 every year. He's not the second highest paid coach in college basketball to be eliminated in the Sweet 16. He's being paid that much, has access to a private jet to go win championships and nothing short of it. And it feels like that is out of question at this point in the season. But, hey, what did I say? Wait until March. 989-837-6125. What is the expectation for Michigan State here now uh, as we enter postseason play for college basketball? We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, I also want to talk a little bit of wings with Mr. Hockey over here, John Vacari, because as much as I've been hyping up the Red Wings, uh, Tuesday rolls around and we got a reality check. That's coming up on the payoff fueled by Forward Energy. 989-837-6125. I think this season for Michigan State, regardless of the turnaround, has been a little bit, not even a little bit, I think it's been disappointing. You had expectations going into the season to reach a Final Four, to potentially win another championship. And I feel as if that's out the window, despite them turning the corner and making March Madness. Now, do they have the tools to go on a run? Eh, it could happen. But you're walking into the season... With all, or you're walking into March with already enough losses to where, at best, unless you go on some crazy run in the Big Ten tournament, you're going to be walking in as an eight or nine seed at best. And that's assuming you win the rest of the games you're supposed to. I assume Purdue probably throws Michigan State around a little bit when they play here in a couple weeks. Uh, they've got Michigan tomorrow, or not tomorrow, on Saturday at the Big House. That's a game you should be able to take care of. But it's like you you run into one of these games where you, you're not supposed to lose and you do, and it's like, all right, you're back to being a 12 seed. You don't get to pretend like you're going on some crazy run as the 12 seed. But sometimes they do, and last year is like No, but they example. don't. <laughs> going to the Sweet 16 is not a crazy run. What defines a crazy run for you, Final Four? If you're Mitch... Like, what, what, like if they... If, if, they get to the elite eight this year. That would surprise you. Yes, I, if you're like if you're a ten or higher seed and you make the elite eight, yes, I would consider that a crazy run. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't be a crazy run to make the elite eight if you were a one or two seed, which Michigan State expected to be. Which, if you're Michigan State, that's the pedigree, that's the expectation every year. But I think expectations have drastically shifted over the past five seasons. To expect him to go to the Elite Eight now seems unrealistic. I would say. You had your time. And it's been five years of mediocrity. Mediocrity, yeah. Mediocrity, and I don't 
think Michigan State has the tools to go on a run, or at least they've already sabotaged their season early on in November or December to the point where you can't get a high enough seed to have an easy path to get to the Final Four. Now the path you have to take is an uphill, snowy, rocky road, and you don't have four-wheel drive. Good comparison. What you mentioned earlier before we move on here, but that they're not no longer a blue blood. Like, what is a blue blood to you? A team that you just, by all means necessary, want to avoid in the March Madness tournament. That and you, you don't see think them and you are crapping your pants. No! Hell no! Kansas State just beat Michigan State last year. I get that. Michigan State doesn't put fear into anybody anymore. I mean, you saw it a couple weeks ago, or even maybe it was earlier this week, when we played the clip of Ben Johnson, the Minnesota head coach, who said, yeah, back in, like, basically paraphrasing here, but back in the day, like, we didn't know what to do with Izzo. Now we watch him, and, you know, he makes us work harder, and now we're able to play up to standards with him. I don't think Michigan State, you don't see him on the schedule anymore and pucker a little bit that you're nervous. And by the way, I I don't even think Michigan should be that nervous to play them on Saturday. Now, they shouldn't be favored. I'm not saying that. You know Tom Izzo's never beat Juwan Howard in Ann Arbor? Really? Yeah. So that's what's up for grabs at the Chrysler Center. That is, in fact, what's up for grabs at the Chrysler Center. How, how, I'm, I'm guessing we won't touch on it tomorrow just because we're going to be fully at the Dow Events Center and previewing Saginaw High and Arthur Hill. What's the margin of that game? The spread? No, what you think is going to happen. The spread is probably double digits. Like, you think Michigan gives a fight at home no. because it's a rival? No. <laughs> okay. This is the softest Coming team from ever, Michigan man. Guy. This is the softest team I've ever watched <laughs> play basketball. <laughs> they run into any sort of controversy whatsoever, and they just fall over. They roll over. Because it was 19 as, a, as Michigan on the road. You don't think it's going to be closer with them at home? It's it, That's the spread? Is that what you're saying? That's what it was on the road, 19. Oh, I'm trying to find the spread. Uh, the one it might I just not be checked, out yet. Doesn't have it yet. I so. would I would say that's probably a, the same spread. Maybe you, Chrysler Center doesn't have this crazy home court advantage. Maybe they so show maybe up that for makes the Michigan. No impact yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe they're they going to get run out of the building. I I think so. I mean, the <laughs> second this team runs in a controversy, any any time they just fall over, they roll over and expose their belly and die. They don't even want any part of it. A team goes in on a little 5-0 run and it turns into a 10-0 run and then they just give up on playing defense whatsoever. It's annoying. I'm sick of it. I can't do it anymore. Um, so I think the expectation is moved for Michigan State. Sweet 16 at best. At best. Who knows? Maybe You wait till they're in a 7 seed where one seed say, loses to uh, in the second yeah, round. You wait. That's what's going to happen. You, you know what's going to happen. Purdue's going to lose early. Michigan State's going to... You know, that rocky, snowy path is going to... Sun's going to come out. It's going to warm up. The road's going to be a little bit better. And all of a sudden, Michigan State's going to have a path to go potentially to an elite eight. And then they're going to run into a team and lose. It's what's happened the last five years. We have evidence to see. It's historical evidence at this point. You know they have the highest odds of a team not in the top 25 to win the, to win the, all, all, the national championship? Yeah, it's the brand. It's so the they're blue blood. They have higher odds in St. Mary's, Florida Atlantic, New Mexico, Texas, Gonzaga. I, I plus, assume f- plus uh, fifty five hundred. I, I might, I might put that down to what? Go to the Final Four, win, to the, win it all. Pff, oh my god! 
They're the only. They're the highest ranked, not top twenty-five team, just below Creighton and BYU. I think wow. you, you want to just give me that money instead. <laughs> donate to charity, why don't you? Your charity, donate, donate the Ben Bosch Foundation. No, no, no. Donate, to, donate it to Brad's uh, foundation for the the Polar Plunge on oh, Saturday. Yeah, that's a nice way to plug it. <laughs> <laughs> hey Ben, can you give me a shout out? Yeah, when we talk about how Michigan State won't win a championship, <laughs> but you can do that by the way. Special Olympics Michigan's what Brad's raising money for, and it's on our social media pages. His personally as well. In all seriousness, but yeah, great segue there, Ben. Thanks. You guys can follow The Mitt <laughs> on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You guys can follow John and myself uh, on Twitter as well. Um, I wouldn't, but sure. No. That no. was to you, but yeah. Oh, you wouldn't follow me? Yeah. I think I lost 20 followers Super Bowl day on really? Twitter. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't I was blame them. Too annoy- I think I was too annoying. I don't blame them. I had the Twitter fingers going a little too fast. You know, I, I check Twitter to see the reaction, and I see... Get ready for greatness <laughs> before, <laughs> before overtime. I'm like, great. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Guys, get ready. Holmes is going to throw four underneath routes, and I'm going to praise him for an hour on Monday. I had Kirby Joseph thumbs on, uh, on Super did. Bowl Day. And did. People didn't, I, I lost, a, lost <laughs> a lot of respect on the old, the old X, apparently. Hey, um, I'll never unfollow you, Ben. Thanks, John. All right, let's make some money, John, if that's okay. Maybe. I want to make some cash. There it is. Lock of the day. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. All right, John. You had me fired up about something earlier today. I'll let you go first today. Sure. I'm going to tell you what I think fired you up second. I'll give my lock first, and then what I'm throwing a little money on as well, but I'm not going to classify as my lock. We'll go to NHL because you want me to, you know, start picking hockey. So I'm I'm gonna go to the NHL. Hey, don't don't twist it like I'm telling you to do anything <laughs> here. Like I'm well, forcing you, always, you to spend your the, money elsewhere. The thing is, you always give the NBA lines, and sometimes I do too. But we're gonna go hockey here. The game I'm focusing on, just because it's probably is the best, I would say, national perspective. Obviously, the Red Wings do play tonight, so that, that's a good game as well. At Ten, but Connor Bedard's supposed to be back for the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. They're at home against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh and Chicago, five and a half is the over-under. And that's on the low side because they're both bottom 10 teams in terms of scoring. Pittsburgh is coming off a game last night. They got thrashed by the Panthers five to two. So it's the second end of a back-to-back for them. And even though the Blackhawks have lost all three games in February, they've competed in all those games. And I, I we're not giving medals around here, but it's hit the, all the overs, right? Rangers, a recent loss, and a recent loss against Vancouver, who we're going to mention when talking about the Red Wings. But they were competitive in those games and scored multiple goals. I'm going to say over five and a half tonight in Pittsburgh, Chicago. I think Bedard back is going to give Chicago a bit of a spark, and Pittsburgh's just going to have tired legs based on the second end of a back-to-back. Is that so, uh, even odds? Yeah. Okay. When you, when you talk over-unders in hockey. Secondly, and this isn't a lock, But I think it's very intriguing to look at the Iowa versus Michigan women's basketball game tonight. The non-betting reason, of course, is Caitlin Clark is going for the NCAA all-time scoring record. She's a stud. She is a stud. She needs eight points to do so. Eight points to break it, seven to tie, to be clear. And if you're looking at the gambling perspective of this, certain books have what quarter it happens in. First quarter, predominantly the favorite. Second quarter is plus 440. They just think it's going to happen right away. 
College basketball on the women's side, quarters instead of halves, eight minutes. I don't know. Eight minutes. There's eight a lot points. of pressure with it. She's going to break it, no doubt. And her over under tonight, by the way, overall is at 36 and a half, which is just it's ridiculous. And it's minus like big minus odds in yeah. front of it, too. <laughs> which is just unreal. like, geez. But I don't know. Maybe a slow start. She, she shot 0 of 6 in the fourth quarter in the last game against Nebraska. I'm not oh, saying she was it's going lock. for it, wasn't she? It's not my lock, but I'm going to throw a little money on it happens in the second quarter instead of the first. Well, here's the thing, too. And let, and let the that. audience get in, you know? Right. Everyone's got to be in the seat for the big moment. You well, know? here's the other thing with it, too, John. And you mentioned this to me. They're not going to just let her break the record no. early on. They're going to be double teaming. They're going to be. Play- you don't want to be the girl who gets. You don't want to be the woman who is guarding Caitlin Clark when she breaks the record. No. That's not the side of history you want to be on. They're going to that's the best effort defense you're going to see all all night uh is in the first quarter guarding Caitlin Clark. So I, I do until like the record the, pretty much. Until the record. You um, think also shout out local legend Molly Davis in the backcourt of Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um should be a good game. A lot of people don't realize what I mean everyone knows how much of a three-point threat she is. But 32 a game, seven rebounds, almost eight and a half assists, and 2.3 stocks, which is steals and blocks combined. She does it all. Yeah. She is sensational. And I think, and maybe we're born, I, I don't know. I think women's college basketball has been better than men's college basketball for two straight seasons. It's just been more entertaining. Well, in, ter- in terms of storylines, like, give me the top storyline of the national championship in men's college basketball from a season ago. I, I couldn't even tell you who played in the national right? championship. Like, it was UConn and Houston. Yeah, Houston. So, like, for me, the biggest storyline was Jim Nance's final call. Will he get to see Houston win a championship? Right? Or, or no, was it, it was UConn FAU. Houston, I'm sorry, Houston lost in the final four. Yeah, that sounds... I, it was see, UConn, we don't even know! I know. It was UConn-San Diego State. Excuse me, let me preface that. Yes, UConn, and I San had Diego San State. Diego State in my final four in go. my bracket, and that was my best pick. And, and that was the only good pick I had. And it was a 17-point game, and I don't know, I guess the storyline was just Connecticut back on top, and then I, a team from the west side of our country actually winning a championship in college basketball, um, I guess. The women's storyline, the national championship, was, a, was Clark versus Reese. It was great. And the coaches come and in was, all dripped out in the flare and it was the sparkles. And it was the celebrations on both sides, and there was real animosity yeah. between them. And, and then so much afterwards, so I wanna, Yeah, and there was a storyline for a lot of days here. Whew. So and, and that and the main reason, whether you know, quality of play, whatever, but my reasoning for it is because they stay. Mm-hmm. They don't just go to the pros right away and after their first year. They're, you know the players year in, year out. And I know I'm sounding like the old man on the block, and I am a proponent of the transfer portal and all this NIL stuff being able to maneuver around. And don't get me wrong, that maneuvering around happens in the women's game. Haley Van Lith, who's on LSU, she was a big star with Louisville, and she came over with the Tigers and, and, and whatever. So it's not like it doesn't happen, but you do cling to stars. Like, Caitlin Clark's been a star in college basketball, not just this season, but the last couple. I wonder, I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I do wonder the women's transfer numbers versus the men's transfer numbers be, and how they compare. It'd be good to look into. I would think it happens more in the men's game. I would guess so as well. Uh, okay, my lock of the day, that's oh yeah, that's, that's where this all rooted from. Um, I'm going to the NBA, shocker. So, ever since the Utah Jazz traded... Jordan uh, traded Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. 
Jordan Clarkson has scored 20 versus the Warriors every single time. He's four for four, mostly because the Warriors have no ability to guard guards anymore. Steph Curry's not going to be your lockdown guy. Klay Thompson doesn't have it defensively after Achilles and ACL uh, surgeries. Jordan Clarkson's over-under is at 17 and a half tonight. I'm just going to take him to get 20 at great odds. He's going to do it. That's my lock of the day. There you go. Lock of the day. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. All right. Um, the Red Wings are in an interesting spot going forward the rest of the season. As it stands right now, they are a playoff team. They're the last wild card team in the East. But Tuesday, that was alarming. That was really alarming. We're going to talk about it next on the payoff fueled by Forward Energy. Back to the payoff on the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Yeah, everybody looks good at home. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. So the Red Wings back in action today. John, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, maybe, maybe I know the 20 people who unfollowed me on Twitter on Super Bowl didn't see this. <laughs> but oh boy. the NHL warned the Red Wings um, going into tonight's game about Jake Wallman's gritty celebration that he hits most of the time he scores a goal. He scored the game-winning goal against the Canucks on Saturday. They play again tonight at 10. Um, But after he scored that goal in overtime, won the game against a team with the most points in the league, you know, he does his little gritty on the ice celebration, a popular dance move for the young generation. I'm doing it right now. I hope not. I hope not. I wish we had a camera in there um, if you actually are doing it. So they sent a memo to the Wings essentially saying, hey, just so you know, it's kind of an unwritten rule that we don't do that. Really? I thought this sport was supposed to be full of like a bunch of of tough guys. I'm not saying that they aren't. I I do think these are the toughest athletes of the four major sports. But that's that's what we're going to get all butthurt about? That seems soft. And if you really want, like, let's just be honest. Hockey, would you would you agree with me? In America, hockey is the least popular sport of the four majors. Yes. In terms of television ratings, yes. If you want a younger audience, if you want to captivate a new generation of hockey fans, you got to let the players have fun like this. Yes. You want to hear even what's crazier about this. You may know this, may not. There's a mascot, and I know it's not direct correlation, but there's a mascot in the league named Gritty. Oh, of, is there? Of the Flyers. His name's Gritty, and you can look him up. Does he, does he's he like do a, the dance? His whole thing is that he's basically a sociopath. His eyes are like, like <laughs> so basically. So he's like Louie Yeah, Well, I wouldn't go that far, <laughs> but he's like, he's sort of crazy, right? Like, that's his thing. Name's Gritty. You're going to go after a guy for doing a Gritty dance. Like, I I don't get it. I, I like the league stances with, with certain hits and being maybe a little more strict on um, suspensions with that. And it's going to get under people's skin, but that's what you want. You want guys with a little bit of swagger. And believe me, if you're a hockey fan that doesn't like some of the exaggerated celebrations after goals, it's not a league that's having, or at least showcasing and highlighting, athletes wearing ridiculous costumes, basically, to to, to the and pulling up to the arena, mm-hmm. like the NBA. Right. Because that, not that it pisses me off, I don't really care, but like the NBA makes it a known thing, like, whoa. Hey, the players. Look how the they, players are the brand. Yeah, look how they. And but the NHL's got to take notes in that res, in that regard. Like you watched Ben Connor McDavid on Tuesday, right? Yeah, Edmonton it was scary. against Detroit. It was really scary. But you probably and and this is not you. You know, saying oh, you're not the biggest hockey guy, whatever. 
You didn't realize probably how great McDavid was. Well, I've right? seen McDavid play. Like, like, usually when the Wings play McDavid, I make it a yeah. priority. To, like, I, but that's I'm aware of how good priority, he was. But, but that was one of the first times yeah. where it was. It really felt like, oh, this guy's just doing whatever he wants against yeah. this Red Wings defense. And, and part of it is him not being the most outlandish personality, though I think he's underratedly funny. Um, you can look at a ha- Halloween costume from a couple years ago. I'm not going to mention it on air, but I-, I thought it was pretty funny when he did it with his uh, then-girlfriend, now-wife. But What did he wear? He was a political figure. Let's just say that. But, was he Trump? Yes, he was. <laughs> and I thought that was funny in his rookie season. Um, but he is someone who, uh, again, he's not going to be Mr. in the newspapers, you know? And that's something that the NHL falls behind on where – they are built like when I separate the two leagues, the NHL and the NBA, it's one's player focused and one's team focused. The NHL markets the original six and the rivalries and outdoor games and throwing back, uh, you know, in terms of the uniforms, the throwbacks. The NBA is more like, hey, we value our history, but watch th- our six new jerseys this year. Yeah. You know, like here's all these jerseys and all the on all these different guys, and there's certain disadvantages to the sport, right? You can't see hockey players where you could see basketball players full facial features and whatever. I'm pretty sure but the average person couldn't pick Dylan Larkin out of a group that's, of people. Yeah, and, and that's part of the problem. So when they express themselves, and it wasn't really a showing up way. I mean, every celebration, in a way, in an effect, is, but it wasn't a direct like, hey, pointing at someone and then doing a dance in front of them. It was. Just to dance after scoring a goal, and a lot game of, winning goal. A, a lot of people, and I, I haven't really seen a negative stance on this from any like, you know, public person. But obviously, the league taking a stance, like you mentioned. Well, there are no public NHL figures that. Well, there are, but you just don't know what they are. Don't uh, show up on my Twitter. Yeah, exactly. But Gretzky had a celebration. You could look at when he broke the most goals of all time. He sort of did like a high step trot with his hand, like. The best players okay, celebrating. Okay, wait, 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 the, wait. Jake most, Wallman, like, gritty, regular season game, completely different well, than I know, I'm just saying Gretzky ter- breaking the all-time I'm not comparing record. the two, Ben. I'm talking about how the best players in the game's history celebrated. The most iconic hockey image is Bobby Orr, and I get it wasn't a scripted celebration, but he, he you know, scores a goal, and then just based on what was in front of him, which was a defender's leg, he dove over him, and it's him with his hands up, while doing a Superman dive. And that's one of the most iconic hockey images. If you go to TD Garden in Boston, they have a statue outside. That, in effect, was a celebration, in a way. It was. So, I mean, to police it, unless it's, you know, again, vulgar thoughts or whatever, or, you know, just, I would say, like, publicly speaking, vulgar thoughts, like, and and just expressing that after scoring a goal, which they do, by the way. But that could be a little more pulled in but I'm not going after a guy for a gritty celebration. To be honest, I think it was just there. Was, there was a few different scuffles that game, and I know there is every every hockey game uh, essentially. But Alex DeBrinket actually like did drop his gloves and get into a fight, and that's the last guy you'd expect to get in a fight in that game against the Canucks. Um, so I think with how chippy everything got, I think it just that's where it ended up, and I think that's the reason the league got a memo. I'm sure the Canucks, who probably didn't expect to lose that game, um, were just a little. Little PO'd after the game. Yes, but, but they shouldn't have been at this. So I mean, it goes back into every sport. Not even focusing on hockey, you don't want them to celebrate on you. Don't let them score. Right, and I, I guess maybe a bad job on me by talking about um the thing on Tuesday because that's that's not what I was referring to when I said Tuesday caught me off guard a little bit. Um, when they played two on Tuesday, Connor McDavid, 
six assists. You allow eight goals a season high. It really made me question whether or not the Wings are a legitimate playoff team. And I know we're running out of time here. Um, backs against the wall on this one. So maybe not going to hit home as hard as we wanted to here. But, I mean, uh, to be transparent here, I mean, if John and I were to draft sports here, I think, I don't know, maybe we both take, I would be comfortable taking football and basketball. And I think you'd be comfortable taking baseball and hockey. Yeah, If we had to last. split them up. So you, I'm not going to pretend like I'm some hockey expert, but what I do know is the Red Wings are a high-functioning offense. They uh, score the fifth most goals in, NA, in the NHL. Uh, on the power play, not as effective as they were earlier on the season. It slipped off just a little bit. Uh, you're down to 11th in the league, converting on 23% of your power plays. Alex Lyon got off to a red-hot start, but predictably, I mean, on Tuesday it didn't help when you gave up eight goals. Um, he had to come into the game because Huso got uh, Huso got hurt, um, but he's down to 11th in save percentage, which was predictable because of the 23 games he's played this season. I mean, that's that's eight more than he ever did in his entire career already, and now he's our our goalie number one. I watch what McDavid does to this team, and I know again we're pressed on time here, but I I wanted to come in and ask you, John, is this a legit playoff team? You're sitting in the last wild card spot as it speaks today. You have a two point lead over the next team, which is the New Jersey Devils, and you're two games out from Toronto, um, who has that other wild card spot. If you want to get real technical, you're three games out from Tampa for just flat out having a top three spot in the Atlantic. I started to have a ton of confidence coming out of the All Star break, beating the Canucks, the team with the most points in hockey. And then that happens on Tuesday, and I don't know if this team's legit anymore. I get it, and I would tell you in the brief time we have, it's looking at the standings, the the gap is closed because mm-hmm. New Jersey was farther behind, but they had to make up some games or just the way the schedule was coming out of the All-Star break where the Red Wings sort of, it felt like didn't play for a whole week. Devils are 3-2 and two in the month of February, so the Islanders are right on their toes, the Devils are, and Washington, who I sort of casted away, has played okay. So they're still in the mix too. That final wild card, it's not a multiple game advantage anymore. Right. So that's what concerns me. I can't give you a definitive answer right now. I still think they're a playoff quality team, but they got to play their best hockey at this point in the season. They're not just going to waltz in. Haven't made the playoffs in seven years, eight years. Haven't won a playoff series in a decade. Every game now, the rest of the season, I think it is, is vital for the wings to win. That's what makes it fun. At Uh, least one team has a playoff chase. (laughs) Thanks, John. Um, Again, Wings versus Canucks tonight. If they lose, they're one and two out of the break. If they win, they're two and one out of the break. Preferably the rest of the season, there's no stretches of going one and two. Uh, That remains true. You probably make the playoffs. All right, there you go. We'll be back live from the Dow Event Center tomorrow for a nice high school basketball game. Until then, that was the payoff, and I hope it was worth it. Thanks for listening.